Good afternoon. Uh, I am Aurelio Porfiri. I am the host of this uh, podcast uh, that uh, is broadcasted in the um, Cantus newsletter. Uh, you can go to uh, cantus.substack.com and you can subscribe to this uh, newsletter. Today we are talking about the Catholic Mass, and uh, we have a very special guest uh, that is uh, Bishop Athanasius Schneider. So, uh, welcome, uh, Bishop Schneider, to our program. Thank you. Um, I greet you all. Thank you, and yeah. uh, and uh, of course, for me, it's a, a, a particular pleasure because uh, uh, I co uh, wrote a book by uh, Bishop Schneider that is. Uh, Uh, just released and uh, we are talking today about the English version of the book because the book is already also available in the Italian version but uh, we will discuss of the Italian version in another broadcast and today we speak about the English version Uh, the book is available in all uh, store um, and it's a book uh, uh, about uh, the, the Catholic Mass Uh, is a book that try to rediscover the importance of the uh, Catholic Mass for the life of uh, everyone. So, um, uh, Bishop Schneider, when we uh, we have the idea to do this book, um, I uh, propose to you to, uh, to to call it the Catholic Mass, uh, so simply, and you immediately uh, accepted uh, uh, and then uh, uh, you uh, suggested uh, uh, the, the subtitle no steps to restore the centrality of God in the liturgy. So why uh, such book uh, published by uh, Sophia Institute Press in the English edition, why such book for you is necessary? It is indeed very necessary because Uh, the church and we all, we are now in the last decades witnessing uh, an unprecedented crisis of the liturgy of the Eucharist itself, of the liturgy of the Mass. And since um, the Holy Mass, the liturgy, is the center Uh, the, uh, the culmination of all the life of the Church and of every Catholic, it is evident that when this form of celebration that which we are witnessing in our day is really a crisis and reached so a deplorable state that it is necessary to address this. <clears throat> Cardinal Ratzinger the future Pope Benedict XVI once um, um, expressed this phrase, formulated. Um, with the liturgy, the church stands and falls down. And this observation of Cardinal Ratzinger is really true because <clears throat> Uh, we, are, we are forgetting, it's, uh, it seems, and evermore, the clergy in the first place in the last decades 
since the the council, I would say, after the council, <clears throat> and especially it was um, like a catalyst, the new ordo mise, the, the new liturgical reform, uh, forgetting that our first task as human beings, as creatures, and of the entire church, and it will be in heaven, all eternity, is, consists in adoring God, in praising God. And the, the highest form of this is already here on earth, realized in the celebration of the Holy Mass. But Your Excellency, it, there, there is something maybe some people can uh, question about this because you say that in the last decades we are forgetting about uh, the, the deep sense of what uh, a mass should be. Uh, but we know that uh, we, we have in the last uh, 50 more years this liturgical reform and one would expect that a reform would improve what uh, was... Uh, uh, what was done before so why um why this reform uh, according to what you seem to imply uh, does not seem to improve on what was before and indeed is allowing all of us to lose this sense of the deepness of the liturgy yes uh, the, the 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 word reform it is already saying that something has to be corrected to bring the original form. Form is also always beauty as the expression of form. And um, But uh, the reforms concretely, they had to improve so that we can deeper express the essence of the Holy Mass, which is the adoration of God, the glorification, which is the sacrifice of the cross. And, and these uh, concrete norms of the reform had to stress and to make this more clear. This also said the Vatican Council, the Second Vatican Council, in the document Sacrosanctum Concilium, there is a phrase which says that uh, the sacred aspects in the liturgy had to be more stressed. And this was the contrary, as we see. Uh, the new Ordo Misse, uh, they dropped, they uh, took away exactly the gestures of adoration evermore and reduced all the gestures of adoration to a minimum and, and made uh, all the, the order misa it itself, um, its shape, it is so, um, it contains uh, elements of informality. So when it is informal, it is a door uh, to subjectivism, and this destroys uh, every sense of deep reverence and objectivity, which has to be an official uh, worship of the church. 
So, Your Excellency, what, what I want to um, ask uh, is that uh, you are questioning the interpretation of the new Ordo Misse or you are in, uh, questioning the new Ordo Misse itself? Itself, I expressed me, of course, uh, clearly that the new Ordo Misse dropped away the Ordo Misse, not the interpretation, oh. the structure. And all it dropped away, it took away and reduced to a minimum the gestures of sacrality, of adoration, and so on. Mm. This is evident, and I repeat, it made a, the entire uh, physiognomy of, of this uh, of order is uh, filled with informality, with elements, as I repeat. And when we make a careful examination, it is a very clear diminishing of the sacrificial aspects. Very clear. And so when we diminish the sacrificial aspect, this is theocentric, the sacrificial aspect. And reduced more to elements of um, interhuman gathering. Of course, brotherly gathering is good, but it has its own place in the parish hall, or in other places. And we will be more close, the, 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 the Catholics, will, the faithful, achieve a, the deepest um, unity when they are united in giving God the greatest glory. Because we are concentrated on God. And when God is in the center, uh, we will have the right um, attitude also to one another. So, uh, and this is ultimately the first commandment to live, to love God with all your heart, with all your mind. And this is an expression in the concrete ritual, adoration and, and liturgy. And therefore, uh, the, the fraternal unity, it's the highest form as all the, the church teaching uh, said in the Holy Communion, when we are united to Christ most closely, then we are united to one another better. And uh, I think one of the of the aspect that, of course, for me is particularly important is the decline of sacred music. For example, now we we see in our churches that uh, uh, now commercial music is uh, like a mainstream. Uh, uh, in the in the mass, so do, don't you think that uh, something like this should be uh, really unthinkable? I mean, uh, uh, that someone think that uh, music that uh, imitate uh, uh, commercial music can be uh, part of uh, of the liturgy of the mass should be unthinkable. So why so many priests do not understand that the, the you know the the huge uh, offense they are doing to the to the to the mass itself. You are correct. I am agreeing with you that commercial music or profane music, it's contrary to the essence of the liturgy, which is to stress the sublimity, the, the sacrality of God. So the and therefore we bring the, the, the noise and the 
of the world in the sacred, in the sanctuary. And this is never permitted in the, in the, in the revelation of God. We have, this is our rule. We cannot uh, change uh, the laws, the rules of the worship. It is given by God, also concerning the music, not only the ritual. So the music, God commanded in the Old Testament concretely what and how to sing. Therefore, he gave the Psalms, which were inspired by the Holy Spirit, songs. And uh, the Psalms were uh, almost uh, the, the most important part of the so-called sacred music in the Temple of Jerusalem. And then in the synagogue, and we know that the Psalms were, um, were uh, preferred and pronounced and, and sang in a, in, in a form, in a very quiet form. So it, that, that the soul is quiet and these and the melodies are uh, not exciting the soul but the contrary calming and so that we can lift up our heart to God. And this is the sense of the music. It was in the temple, as we see in the Psalms, all the Psalms say this, to lift up our heart to God and to praise him. And, uh, and therefore, the tradition says that our so-called Gregorian chant, which Pope Gregory the Great, uh, reformed or uh, had uh, an influence. It was not he uh, who invented this no, chant, of no. but he he organized this. Therefore, it was before him already. But they say some scholars that the Gregorian chant was in the substantial rules of the Gregorian chant. It is similar to the uh, chant of the Psalms in the synagogue and then in the temple of Jerusalem. So it has a connection to, to this time of the divine revelation and also Jesus Christ, our Lord and the apostles, when they were in the synagogue in the, in, and go, went to the temple, they also were singing this kind of music. And therefore, and so, this is one aspect and therefore the music has to not his uh, not it is not a um, concert performance it's not a place of the temple and of our prayer but the sacred music as we see since the old testament and then the entire history of the church it is only a a secondary aspect to help the voice uh, to, to to proclaim God to his honor, his glory. So it is not his, uh, the music has not the own place and therefore had not to be a commercial or a entertainment uh, music to entertain people. This is completely uh, destroying the sense of prayer and of liturgy. Yes, and also, uh, you know, you, 
you you mentioned about the origin of uh, a Gregorian chant that uh, uh, um, nowadays uh, very disputed uh, from uh, scholars and musicologists, uh, and uh, um, many things that. Uh, the calling Gregorian is to give uh, a sort of honorary uh, mention about uh, Pope Gregory the Great. Some other think that the Gregorian is referred to Gregory the Second that maybe had a, a bigger impact. So, but it's true what you say that uh, uh, this music, uh, um, in a certain way, comes from a long tradition of liturgical singing that, of course, uh, uh, transformed during the centuries and. Uh, it has it, it, it is never been transformed in a way so irreverent irreverent as it is today uh, because it, not only the music is not sacred but even when as you know now in the in 19th century for example they sing music like opera uh, uh, for in the church and of course that was also out of place but at least that was uh, great music i mean was music done by true musicians uh, even if it was not but today it's uh, all give up i mean everyone can play the guitar two or three chords and then you can play in the most beautiful uh, roman basilicas i mean that is i think it's a, it's something really crazy i mean i i don't know how to call it is not if if craziness yes you are correct it is a tri trivialization, so it is a, to make uh, the sacred um, profane, this is. And uh, even the devoutly opera-style musics in the 19th century, or the orchestra masses of Beethoven and so, they are surely not directly um, sacred music. Or liturgical, at least not. Liturgical. Uh, but at least there is a high level of yeah, true, of course. true art, true yes. art and beauty. They are masterworks. And yes, an objective level of uh, beauty. Beauty, in, yes. In, in itself. So, uh, of course, not so uh, aptly for a celebration of a mass, but uh, therefore Pope Pius X intervened to that this should not be done in the churches uh, and to return to the proper sacred music, liturgical music of the Roman church, which is the Gregorian chant or the, the traditional polyphony. And also we have the example of other, let us say, the, the, the Orthodox church until today kept the, the common tradition of the entire church that in the church should not be uh, used the ins musical instruments, for example. It's still observed in the Orthodox Church and it came later only in the Latin Church. The Latin Church also observed this rule, at least in the first millennium, and was very careful to admit the instruments and when admitted only to help the voice to, to accompany and to maintain the voice. So this is the meaning that the liturgical music, the sacred music should not impede our prayer, but to help, help. To, to concentrate because you cannot be ex 
uh, in an excited manner and in a uh, to pray. The prayer has to be in a recollected way, uh, always. And therefore, I think that the music, sacred music, we have to restore again, very important, uh, the atmosphere of sacredness, of true prayerfulness. Also, we have to stress the prayerfulness of the music, the, of the liturgical music. And uh, I, I want a little to uh, return to uh, our book. Uh, I remember, uh, I want to remind our listeners that in the book, uh, The Catholic Mass uh, by Bishop Schneider, uh, also we uh, we talk about uh, sacred music, uh, sacred art, so you can find uh, a lot of things. But uh, uh, I want to uh, remind you something. Uh, maybe you uh, remember that... Uh, um it was in july 2021 uh, we already finished the the book uh, the draft of the book and then on july 16 came uh, traditionis custodes and uh, so because in the book you know uh, there is a lot of, uh, of good things about the traditional mass and you know, of appreciation. So I I remember that uh, I immediately contacted you and I say, "Oh, Your Excellency, so now what do we have to do? What 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 we have to do about traditionis custodes? Because of course uh, the book was finished before traditionis custodes. But you say, "Oh no, no need to add anything about uh, traditionis custodes because." Uh, uh, the book uh, uh, already is, uh, uh, I mean, it's very meaningful uh, without uh, having to refer to this document. But it's true that this document creates a turmoil in the, in the traditional movement. So um, how you, you can uh, uh, judge what is the effect of this uh, uh, motu proprio now, what is, uh, six months later or something like this? I think the first that uh, the traditional mass became more known uh, because of this turmoil uh, which traditionalist custodes caused, it was more known at least uh, as a fact, even in the liberal circles, people who never maybe were interested um, in this issue or now is and many bishops now they heard that there is this this uh, fact that there is a traditional liturgy and and sacraments and this is one and the other that especially the younger generation those who never uh, assisted to this form uh, there are ever more people who are interested why uh, this form is so in so a drastic and unmerciful manner persecuted. It is not common uh, to the style of Pope Francis or what he is promoting, at least. And, and this is curious, and therefore uh, many young people or, or young, from the younger generation, they are, they are interested to know this Mass. And so uh, in those places where it's still celebrated, um, increased, I heard, the participation of this Mass. And even in places where the bishops forbade this, are celebrated in a clandestine manner, 
like during the times of persecution, because what is precious, it is in itself uh, irradiating itself. It is attracting the beauty. You cannot hide the beauty. When you will hide and put in chain the beauty, uh, the people will seek this beauty. And so I am um, convinced that even a Pope cannot, with all his measures, um, abolish this precious treasure which belongs to a millennium tradition. It is not the Tridentine Mass at all, because we have documents printed with the exactly, 100% exactly, ordo misse the same, several uh, um, centuries before the Tridentine Council. And so therefore, it is a, an, a millennium old form very, very cherished by so many saints. And therefore, uh, this, this current now crisis and, and persecution of the old mass, uh, they will not succeed. Um, the whole, the, uh, the celebration of the traditional mass is now going, I think, partly in the underground, in the catacombs, and God will bless this also. But Your Excellency, you uh, may have heard, as we heard here in Rome, that uh, uh, that uh, are coming further restrictions uh, on the mass. Some people say that there will be another document around March or April where the restrictions will be even uh, uh, tight, more, more uh, stronger. So. Uh, what has to be the attitude of so many people that uh, indeed uh, really they don't do anything bad. I mean, they, they just uh, want to uh, pray in a way that uh, uh, make them really, as you say uh, before, to praise God and then to be really edified. So, because it, it seems like a, a persecution. Eh? I mean, uh, so... What has to be the attitude? In the persecution times, the attitude of the true faithful was fidelity. So they have to be faithful to this Mass, to seek all the possibilities which they can uh, to assist this Holy Mass and to ask priests to celebrate this Mass secretly. Why not in their, in their homes, in their houses, and they should do this, and I think they will do this, and they are still, they, they are started already to do this. And this time will pass, and God will give us, for sure, without doubt, again, a Pope who will esteem and promote the traditional liturgy. And this, uh, this treasure, this cannot be in another way. This will come. And therefore, we have to um, be faithful in this difficult time and continue for the sake, for the love of our Holy Mother Church. So, thank you, Your Excellency. I want to remind all our listeners 
about uh, the book, uh, uh, The Catholic Mass, Steps to Restore the Centrality of God in the Liturgy. Uh, you can find the book uh, in all uh, uh, store and in bookstores also. So um, thank you, uh, Bishop Schneider, for your time. And uh, I thank you also, all the listeners, and uh, I hope to have you again for our next podcast. Bye. Goodbye. God bless you.